Hi, welcome to my mom's podcast. Hey friends, welcome back. Are you ready to create a profitable service-based personal brand and business? Download my brand new workbook and you'll learn my signature six-step process to create a successful business with less hustle and more ease. It's got easy action steps ready to implement into your business immediately so that you can start creating a business that you love. Head over to bit.ly backslash attract and stand out online to download your workbook today. You're listening to the Attract and Stand Out podcast created for ambitious, heart-centered entrepreneurs who want to build real relationships, influence others, and make an impact with everyone they meet. I'm your host, Darlene Holly, and I'm a mom of four, a wife, a storyteller, dream builder, and a personal branding and business coach. On the show, you'll hear real conversations about what it means to run your own business, what success actually looks like, and how you can overcome obstacles that get in your way. We're growing businesses with less hustle and more ease, transforming your mindset, and inspiring you to get moving and to follow your dreams. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Welcome back, everybody, to the Attract and Stand Out podcast. It's your host, Darlene Holly, and I'm so excited for today's conversation. I have with me Diana Lowe. She is a certified executive coach, and she helps remote leaders develop their emotional intelligence and communication skills to inspire their teams to high performance levels, creatively solve problems, if I can say that, and positively (laughs) impact their bottom line. And I can't wait to dive into our conversation today. Welcome, Diana, to the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. I can't wait to dive into our conversation. Yes. Before we dive too far in, because I definitely want to hear all about you and your story, I just want to kind of check in with things. I've been liking to start the show this way. How are you doing? It's been a wild year, year and a couple of months now. Um, How are you? You know, I always like to think of that question as like minute by minute. Like in this minute, I'm really good. Things are really good. And like life is really good. In another minute might be different. I have two little toddlers. So uh, that is also minute by minute. But this 2021, actually 2020 was terrible. So every day was pretty terrible. However, it made this year so much like I appreciate it so much more. Yeah. So yeah, it made me more resilient, I think. Yeah. It's so I'm good. The resiliency. And then I think the past year has brought a lot of us this like ability to be like, what's actually important in my life? Mm-hmm. What do I want to bring back into it at this point? Or I know I'm asking myself this question a lot because I feel like, because you're in California too. Like we're finally starting to open up because we're like the world's slowest state in the world when it came to, to COVID. <laughs> and I'm like, well, we're opening up, but I'm like, I don't know that I want to go back. Like, I don't know. I don't know what the new normal necessarily looks like, but I don't necessarily want to go back hundred percent to what things were like before COVID. I feel like I learned so much about myself and my family and like the ability to have quality time versus like that constant, like sign up for sports events and do all these different things and like, go, 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 go constantly. Like yeah. I, I like a slow lifestyle. I like that, it to be nice and easy. <laughs> that makes sense. This year, I like actually the couple last couple years, I kind of stripped it back to like work, me, and then like family and relationships. Anything yeah. outside of that, I just didn't have the capacity to do. Yeah. And so my word for the year is intention. So when I do something, I try to think like, am I being intentional? Am I doing this for a reason that I want or that will help society or, you know, like that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. I love that. And I love that you were already ahead of the world. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think, I don't know if I was ahead, but I just feel like, man, last year was rough. Yeah. That was rough. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it had like, there was so much like sadness and heartache And then there was also like so many beautiful things I feel like are coming because of it. Like it just caused everybody to slow down just a little bit and like really see the people that are the closest to them and really Mm -hmm. connect in new ways. So I think that, I think that part is going to be a huge win for the the craziness of the year. (laughs) Huge win for humanity. Yes. (laughs) Let's take it. We'll take it. And it's funny. I I, I used to be somebody who would say yes to everything and probably it's probably been like three to five years. I don't know, somewhere in there. I learned the word no, which is like big. Right. And I learned that it was a complete sentence and I don't even have to explain myself when I say no. And so I wasn't in like crazy shape come before, like right when the beginning of COVID, but I definitely still saw areas where I was like, Oh, I can make a couple changes here. I like this. 
I think it's just like the reorganization of all of our lives and taking yeah. back more time, like from commutes and oh my gosh, with our yeah. family. I think we'll all get back to some sort of different normal. I think like yeah. it's going to look a little different, but yeah. that's okay. Life is supposed to change and be dynamic, and that's yeah. flavor. Yeah, I was just joking with someone the other day because we were talking about how so many people are working from home now, and so many companies are letting their employees stay home. And I was like, but it doesn't feel like it. Cause I feel like every time I run an errand, I'm like, there's like more people out in their cars now than there was when they were working their jobs. <laughs> I'm like, how is that possible? Who's staying at home? Cause I don't feel like anybody is. <laughs> I think they're working at midnight. Yeah. <laughs> like doing all their work at home yeah. and enjoying the day. Cause they're like, I'm home. running the target. It's 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah. In between meetings. Why yeah. not? Because yeah. otherwise you just don't have the time, especially yeah. if you're a mom. Yeah, exactly. Or a dad, I guess. Dad's I was true. like, I feel like traffic's worse though than it was before COVID. <laughs> Interesting. I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to go into traffic. Yeah. I don't go out that often. Believe me. But it's the, it's the random times that I do where I'm like, where did you guys all come from? I used to be able to run out at like 1030 or 930 in the morning and run an errand and everybody would be situated where they're at. And now I'm like, there's traffic. This is so weird. <laughs> yeah. And lines. What's that yeah. about? I don't know, <laughs> but I'm so glad to have you here. And I can't wait to hear a little bit about your story. So I know you do executive coaching. Mm-hmm. How on earth did you get into executive coaching? What led you on this path to start your own business and do this? Well, I'm glad you asked. So do you want the long answer? Or do you want the short answer? Cause that yeah, makes just start talking. Okay. Let's go long. We have time. So the, the best part about it is that like when you're in your early twenties, some people like they grow up with, like, I know exactly what I want to do in life. I want to be a lawyer or a doctor, or they have some sort of inkling for me. It was like really a messy transition to get to where I wanted to be. So I started in finance because I wanted to do finance and it's lucrative and, you know, there are a lot of good things about it. It's a very stable environment. But, you know, as I, as I learned more about finance, it wasn't the environment I thought it was. So I started my career in Pittsburgh as an intern, and I really wanted to go abroad because I found out they had an office in London. So Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, how do I get abroad? What do I do? So I found a way to do it. And I started my career after college in the city of London in finance. And that was like my dream come true. I was living in London. I was doing finance, you know, like even with your story, it, it's stressful and it takes a toll and the finance industry has a long way to go in terms of how they treat people. Oh yeah. So, so so it was a really damaging environment for me. And that really, um, I'm already in my twenties, so I'm really unsure of like what I can do and who I am and that sort of thing. And then being in that environment, it really, um, for the lack of a better word, wore, wore me down yeah. and it really, really broke me in many ways. But I think the best thing about it is like when you hit bottom, then you can't keep going. So you have to, to build up from there. So I got, I was diagnosed as clinically depressed as I was working. And I was like, I'm so happy. How can I be depressed? But it was really the environment. And I I say that smiling because I feel like it was such a blessing, like to have that pain and go through the months, years of crying and just being in an environment where I felt just bad, just really unloved, uncared for, unvalued, undervalued. So I found myself through doing what I loved while I was in this career. And I really loved doing public speaking. I founded some different clubs outside of work. And I realized, you know, like, this is where I want to be. So finance was amazing, but it was somebody else's dream that they had planted in me. Yeah, It was not my own dream. So fast forward to many years of still searching because it took some time to figure out where I wanted to be, but each step of the way that was a little bit messy and maybe not the right step took me to realize, oh, this is where I need to be. Oh, this is what. And so I kind of like to think of it as like a puzzle. So up until this point in my career, I was just gathering the puzzle pieces. And then one day it was like, oh, this is what it looks like. This is where I should be. 
you found yeah. that missing piece, right? That's like right there in the middle that you're like, it has to be here somewhere. So I can finish putting this puzzle together. <laughs> it was under my shoe the whole time. Like, yeah. was there. So that's really where I became because I realized that I wanted to be a part of the pro the solution, not the problem, but the solution to change leadership. I wanted to create environments where people did not have to go through what I went through. I wanted to be solving the problem, not yeah. adding to it. Yeah. And that's where I really see executive coaching. And my specialty, as you talked about, is emotional intelligence. And that's really where I see it. I see it all. It all makes sense. Yeah, I love that. Do you feel like there was a special or a specific moment where you you recognized that executive coaching was exactly the road that you needed to go, to go down? So that... <laughs> or it was calling you, I should say. <laughs> yeah. And that, so that's a really interesting question because I worked, I previously worked at a big company and we did coaching, but it was in the moment. And in that company, it was called coaching, which it was, but it wasn't the exact thing, same thing as executive coaching. So I, I left that company, took care of my daughter, like spent time and really started to like research, like, okay, well, what is this? So it took me a couple of iterations to realize it was executive coaching that I wanted to do, but I'm a pretty decisive person. So once I figured it out, I was like, oh yeah, this is it. And then as I was doing this research and, and doing different things, I realized I came upon um, emotional intelligence, social and emotional intelligence. And I was like, this is it. This is the answer I've been looking for. So yeah. yeah. I love Puzzle it. pieces. Yeah. Puzzle. You're like pulling them all together. So what was it about the emotional intelligence that really pulled you in? Well, as you have been a part of, and many other people who have been a part of like corporate America, and I can even say, because I've worked and lived abroad, other corporate environments, they're, they're based on a very, there's a reward system that doesn't favor certain behaviors. So an organization culture is like a reward system. So if you are this way, and you get this product, then you win and you get the next rung up. And a lot of those, um, they create toxic environments. Like there's no other way to say it. I'm trying to be PC about it. Yeah. But in those toxic environments, we make it toxic for people like you and me, and even the people who are being rewarded. So nobody wins in that environment. And really what I think what it comes down to is that when I found social and emotional intelligence or emotional intelligence, however you want to call it, I realized like, wow, if people just knew like a part of this or just started to like really look at their behavior and get feedback, yeah, we could just transform work forever. And so that's the solution because it was so simple and I felt like it was right in front of me. So simple because you know now, but not so simple when you're in the moment and you're in that toxic environment and you're trying to figure out how to just stay positive and keep showing up and doing the work that you're probably really good at, but you're, we're all, I, I know for myself, like I, I didn't know in the time when I was in retail management that I was indisposable. Like I thought they would never survive. Like I didn't take vacation days. I felt like I was always at work. I was working 60 plus hours a week because like, like they can't run without me. And then when I left, I was like, oh shit, they're still, they're still in business. That's so weird. I thought that for sure they'd fall apart without me because they made me feel that way. <laughs> Isn't that know. funny, right? Isn't, Isn't that it? funny? They uh, work you to death. And then when you get sick, they're like, oh, we hired somebody. Mm -hmm. And you're like, hold up. Yeah. But I just gave you everything, my all. <laughs> Not worth it. Yeah. I always, when, when I'm talking to anybody, if, especially if they work in like that corporate world still, and they talk about how like, oh, I wish I could go on vacation. Or I wish I could do this. I'm like, you can, I'm like, they brainwashed you. <laughs> they have made you feel like you can't do it, but I promise you, you can. <laughs> and it's funny though, because they're yes. most of the times they're kind of just like, I was like, no, I, I really can't like this is happening and this is happening. And I have this coming up in this project. And it's funny how where our brains are trained, like that we have to be there and we have to do all these things. And then like we, like we shared, like once you leave though, we're like, oh, they're still in business. That's so oh. weird. Oh, and they didn't do that project that was, you know, happening. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So weird. <laughs> and I feel like that's, that's a big part of like our, us and our own growth and our own limiting beliefs. Mm -hmm. Like we believe that we 
we're in this environment and we are important and we are to be fair, but things are dynamic and life shifts. And that's like what I was talking about being a part of that change is that because there are still people who are always going to be in corporate, they're always going to work there and they can make a difference to those around them just by how they think and the examples that they say, the behaviors that they do. And that's really where I see is like emotional intelligence as being, it touches everything we do. Yeah. Everything. And you're now supporting people in that environment to help their team and their um, employees or whoever is on, on the projects with them because you're working with them helping them see things in a different light. And then it's that ripple effect that gets put out into the corporations, which I think is amazing because you're right. Like there's so many people that are always going to be entrepreneurs. And then there's another handful of so many people that are going to be corporate and they love it and it's what they know and it's what they do and they don't want to do their own thing. So how do we get in there and make a difference for the people that are, that are going to be in that environment? So I love that you specialize mm-hmm. specifically with executives because there's so many thought leaders and leaders in those organizations that can make changes inside that it doesn't have to be that way. And the best part is that they, they, it's like, if you think about bees, they pollinate. So mm-hmm. they'll go to different jobs and they'll go to different, and they are inspirational yeah. because of how they work and they are. And the interesting thing that you said, something that sparked my, um, a thought was, I had dinner with somebody yesterday and they were like, oh, this person thinks that they have the highest EI ever. Mm-hmm. Well, the interesting thing about EI, emotional intelligence, is that you can't really judge your own EI. Yes, you can do a self-assessment. Do I do a self-assessment? No, I do not do them anymore because I realized after doing so many, people just have blind spots. And the only way you can really understand your own emotionally intelligent behavior is if you get other people's points of view about you. Yeah. Oh, and that's so true. Cause it, I even have my clients do this. Like when they're getting clear on like the type of work that they want to do and making sure that they're building a career on themselves. Like I'm like, you can like do some of it yourself. Yeah. But mm-hmm. go out and talk to the people, ask them like, Hey, what do you think my strengths are? What do you think my superpower is? Because you get such a great response because we we're almost blind to it. We're too close to the situation and where we think we might have a strength. We might hear like 10 other people say, well, this is actually your strength. (laughs) Not this one. Like that one's good too, but here's some other areas. And I know that it's, it's been eye-opening. I know when I've done the exercise, even myself, I was like, oh yeah. I'm like, it's so interesting that so many people have said this one thing. I maybe kind of had an inkling, but not necessarily would have put it as like the forefront of how I show up. And the other interesting thing about that is that like, not only you can't see your own, like sometimes what you think is a strength could be seen as like a, uh, not a weakness, but like an annoyance to other people. Yes. So for example, I'm really outgoing. I'm very talkative to the person who has the opposite communication energy. I am so annoying. (laughs) I am like the most annoying person they could know because they're like, she doesn't give details. She's not this, she's not that. Mm -hmm. But without that input, I didn't know that. Yeah. So now that I know like the different communication energies and how people show up, I'm like, okay, this particular person needs me to show up like this. So I'm still authentic. Yeah. But I'm just making sure that they're getting their needs met. And that's a part of emotional intelligence that I don't think many people understand. Yeah. You just think, oh, I'm really good. People like me. Some people like you. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's so funny that you say that because I used to say, I'm like, everybody likes me. Like I'm such a likable person. Like I, cause I'm one of those people that I know everybody and I, and I, I feel like I'm the older I'm getting, I'm, I don't allow everybody in like I used to, but I definitely like high school, um, college, like my young twenties. I wanted to be everybody's friend. Like I knew every click in high school. Like I knew all the different circles. Everybody knew who I was and I thought I was close with all of them. And when I look back now, I'm like, oh, you were really like surface leveling it, Darlene. Like you knew everybody and they knew who you were, but I didn't have like those super like deep roots and deep connections where now I'm more focused on, you know, a smaller circle and deeper connections. But at the time I was like, oh, this is great. Like everybody knows who I am. I like, everybody knows me. I can, you know, pretty much do whatever I want. And I, even when I started my business, I had 
um, I was back in 2007, I was networking in Las Vegas, which is where I'm from. Oh, okay. And everybody, and I, and I struggled in my business those first two years because everybody knew who I was, but nobody knew what the heck I actually did. <laughs> and so I like switched that and I was like, oh, I want to go into networking events and meet five people and actually get to know them instead of being like, everybody's, I always joke, it's kind of like cheers, the, 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 like where Norm walks in, they're like, yeah. hey, Darlene, or hey, Norm, which is cool, but it yeah. wasn't serving me as, as, as a human being, I think even, let alone as a business owner, because I wasn't, I wasn't connecting really on that deeper level. It was more surface. Everybody knew who I was, but like, what else is there? to this relationship? Like, how do we go to the your, deeper level? Your total high eye. I can yeah. see it. Oh, it's yeah. all I over totally you. Am. Yeah. So funny. I am. <laughs> I am. Yeah. I haven't done my disc profile in a long time and it's, I'm guarantee you it's still up there as a high eye. <laughs> high eye and a, and a good amount of D I'd imagine. Cause you get stuff done. Yes. And you don't leave bodies in the wake. See, and this is the thing. So like, if you, the, the way people come authentically is important, but they also need to know how other people work best with them. Yeah. So it's not just about like, so I think a lot of people think like, well, I'm not changing myself. And it's not like nobody's asking you to change yourself, but you can modify your behavior. It'll be you. Yeah. Right. So like, I don't have to scream all the time. If that's what I like doing, I can have a quiet voice, you know, yeah. so we can modify things, dial it up, dial it down. And I feel yeah. like people think, well, I'm not going to be inauthentic. It, you don't have to be. Yeah. No. That's what I love about EI actually. Yeah. And, and it's so much easier to show up authentically than it is to try to be something that you're not. And I think too, like we, when we learn these things about ourselves, it gives us a new light. Like when I, like when you're, if you're called out on something or it's like, you know, like the, the people you love the most are definitely the ones that are going to be like, well, Hey, let me tell you your flaws. I got a list for you. <laughs> So here, it's a scroll. Uh, <laughs> let me let me name them all. We'll be here for an hour, but it's interesting. Like some of that stuff, I know most people take as like a grain of salt. They're like, whatever. Like that's it's who I am. And then there's certain things when people say something to you, you're like, oh, like I didn't know I did that, or I didn't think that I was doing it trying to be this way, and you took it a totally different direction than what I was assuming I was doing. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's super interesting because I've, I've had some experiences uh, even recently where somebody said that, um, what was it? I, I had, I, I liked, I'm very curious. Like I, I say, oh, you moved this in your house or like I, I bring up conversations when they're like, oh, you got a new rug. Like I just noticed stuff like random silly stuff. And somebody had said like, oh, I feel like you're judging me for how I decorate my house. Mm -hmm. And I was like, judge you. I was like, I was just having conversation but I thought it was super interesting because in the moment I was like, like, at first I was a little bit like, what? Like, you're crazy. And then I was like, oh, I was like, I do that because I'm just a naturally curious person is what I was thinking, right? Like, I'm like, I'm observant. I notice things. I ask questions. I'm a coach for goodness sakes. Like, I'm great at asking questions. Like, oh, why'd you buy that new rug? <laughs> Whatever it is, right? <laughs> and, but I, I realized in the moment, I was like, oh, I guess I could see how some people might think like, oh, like, why are you noticing like my my rug or whatever it is, how does that even apply to anything? Like, why would you pay attention to that? And I was like, I just found it interesting. I was like, oh, like mental note for myself. Sometimes you're too nosy, AKA curious in situations. <laughs> but it, and it, that's like calibration to the person. And there's something to be said, like when you do, so I do like an EI assessment so they can like look at 42 different behaviors and they can see like where they're completely in alignment with the people around them and where they're out of alignment. And there's something to be said, like when you see like stats around behaviors, it almost like completely changes how you see yourself. Cause like you were saying, somebody could be like, so my husband, for example, he always says, you know, you don't take criticism well, you don't take criticism well. And I'm like, no, I take it fine. I always ask for feedback, this, that, and the other. But then when I saw it on paper, like as a full misalignment, like significantly <laughs> misaligned, yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. You're <laughs> like, like, all right, I fine, work I on that. You're like, I believe you now. <laughs> but that, it's just something like about it that when you see it on paper and it's like official, like it's on paper, but somehow in real life, the words just like wash over you. Yeah. So that's really how we change behavior is that when we have to, when we see the misalignment and then we decide, is this something 
important enough to work on. And then we have to like change how we see ourselves so we can make better choices for those around us. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That was perfect. Yeah. Yeah, We're changing ourselves. We're making better choices for ourselves so that we can be, I forget what you said, but like around the people, (laughs) like, yeah, that totally makes sense because you're, you're showing up and you're still being you. You're just a more consciously aware where I feel like we spend so much time in that unconscious state. We just do, and we go through the actions and, and we don't even know that we're doing half the things that we do, but when we're conscious of it and we, it's brought to our attention and gives us the ability to learn and to progress and ma- maybe make changes or maybe not, maybe it's part of who we are and we're okay with that. Right. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like there are some things that I saw on, um, on another report about me that it said, like something I don't do very well. And I was like, yeah. And I actually like that about myself. So I don't want to change that. So like you get to choose what serves you, but at the same time, emotional intelligence is about like understanding what emotions are happening, how other people are reading it and then making valuable decisions around that. Like, how can I create value? And if you're a leader in any capacity and you're making self-serving decisions, yeah you create bad environments. It's like, there's, cause you're not taking into account that other people need other things. And that's, it's a very easy way to see how your behavior really matters. And I think I, that's what I really love about it when I, it comes yeah. down to it. And I can imagine that when you're having those conversations with these, with these leaders inside the organization, like probably some of it is eye-opening for why past employees didn't stay or why teams didn't gel together the way that they thought they were going to, because there's so much that we can learn in that situation. We're like, oh, I could have done this differently, or I could have changed this, or this person acted this way because of this. Oh, now it totally makes sense. I wish I would have known this two years ago. (laughs) And, And that's true. So like, they're able to take, to own that instead of like, say like, oh, it's them. Yeah. Because when you give the, when you like blame people, then you relinquish your responsibility in the act or what's happening. But when you own it, that means you can change it and you can actually do something about it. And if you keep blaming other people and say like, it's them, like it's society, it's them, it's them. You relinquish your responsibility, which means you then are powerless to change. Mm. And that's not true. That's like a story we tell ourselves. Yeah. So we just have to keep reawakening ourselves to like, oh, you can change this. Yeah. Like you have a a jerk on your team. You can change that. And I think common um, philosophy now, and this is like one thing that drives me crazy is that the thought around this is like, well, I can't change it. Like it is what it is. There's nothing more, darling, that, that I hate that it is what it is Yeah. because it's, it is what you make it to be. And if you resign that you're not going to do anything about it or change yourself or, you know, work on the situation. Yeah. But nothing's going to be choice. done. Yeah. That's a choice. Yeah. And it made me think of what is the saying? Like you, you, you can't, you can't change other people, right? You can only change yourself. And so I can imagine that that can come a lot into the conversation as well, because so many leaders try to change the people around them (laughs) and you can't, I mean, you, you can help support them and guide them and give them tools and yeah, there's that, but it has to start with you first. Like you have to be willing to see what's going on and like own the fact that, Hey, like I'm on your team and I've allowed this, or I've made, this has been acceptable for so long and now it's not working anymore or whatever the situation is. But I think it's interesting because so many people try to change other people and they never ever want to take any ownership or accountability for the actions that they're brought they brought to it. A perfect example is like a relationship, right? Like with a spouse, like I'm going to change this person. Like we might want to change them, <laughs> but they're not just going to do it because we say you should change this behavior. Like they have to have a reason behind it. So when you do the work for yourself and can bring it to the table and really like lead the way with it. That's when change really happens. And so in organizations, it's like that domino effect. So we talked about a little bit before um, Buddhism. And so like, that's where I see the direct link is that like in Buddhism, we call it human revolution. So it's like a revolution inside of us to change that in which we 
that is hard or that we don't want to change or those negative tendencies to see that, like, for example, we have a coworker and we always see them this way. We hate them. We don't like how they do their thing. The hardest work to do is inside of yourself to change and see that that person is of value. And that's why I actually like doing um, DISC with emotional intelligence, because I think that oftentimes, for example, you and me are high eyes, clearly. Yep. <laughs> so when you have somebody who's like a very strong C and they're always questioning you and they always want to know the details, if you don't know about DISC or you don't aren't conscious about emotional intelligence, you take that personally. And you go, why is this person always asking, like, like, what don't they trust me or, but once you know this stuff, you go, oh, that's how they need to learn. Yeah. Like they're trying to really understand what I'm saying, but I'm not providing the information. Mm -hmm. And so like, you don't take it personally. And then you start to see, oh, this person is actually really valuable to the team. And I think that's like how we start to change. Yeah just our environments. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're so right because so many people bump heads because they think that their other person is just like them and thinks like they do and works like they do and all those pieces. But when we look at the full scale of it, you're like, oh, now I understand your personality and your style and how you show up. All of a sudden you're like, okay, there's no more headbutting going on. It's like, I get you. Like, let's yes. see how we can work together. This is where I'm coming from. This is where you're coming from. Let's meet in the middle versus that like constant, like butting heads and feeling like you're not hearing me. You're not seeing me. <laughs> exactly. And so like, as a parent, like I know you're a mom, I'm a mom. We have to look at our kids and we have to go like, what does this little kid need to hear from me to understand this? Yeah. You know, so it's kind of the same thing with adults, but adults are a little more clear cut because we can say, okay, this person just needs facts and they need details and they don't want a lot of talk. Yeah. So I can do that. Yeah. You know, it's and hard, it changes. but I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> I might need to practice, but I can do it. Yeah. But how empowering is that? And then you just create better relationships and then people trust you because you're now speaking their language. Like it's like going to, to Mexico and just trying to speak Spanish. They appreciate it. Yeah. They want you to try. And then they try to speak English. So you meet in the middle. That's how we, you know, that's how we change our workplaces. Yeah, absolutely. So as you've been on this journey of entrepreneurship, what would you say you wish you could have told like your, your past self when you started your business? Like what's one of like the biggest challenges or things that came up for you? If you could give advice to somebody who's maybe starting a business or if you could just talk to your, your previous prior self. <laughs> wow. I wish I could talk to my previous self. Um, this is a really important, like it's an important question. So I think I would say not necessarily in terms of entrepreneurship, but in terms of career and work, I would have told myself to be patient with the ups and downs. I really, Darlene, I just felt like every down was the end of the world. And I didn't see any value in the downs because in the moment when you're down and your emotions are like taking you down, it's hard to see the possibilities or like what could be. Um, As I do this next iteration, I feel smarter in that way. Mm. I coach a lot of um, younger CEOs and I see this pattern in them. Yeah. Like I see this, like if everything is down or not perfect or not social media, perfect, they, they judge that value on themselves. And I've been in that trap. So I'm like, no, that's a part of making this beautiful mosaic. That is your life. Yeah. Some parts are really hard, but you create value from them in the future. And I wish I would have known that a little bit more. Yeah, I would agree with you because I I wish I would have known what I know now when I was even in retail management. Like, I'm glad that I went the path that I did and I am where I am. But if I would have known stuff back then in my twenties, man, it would have been so much easier to not feel like there was like the whole weight of the world was on me or that I was failing miserably or that I was like, I had so much mom guilt from being at work so much and so much guilt when I was at home with my babies 
because I wasn't at work because I felt like this immense amount of pressure just to be perfect and to have everything together. And even if I didn't, I had to make it look like it was together because I didn't want to be judged or put down or have like all those, you know, opinions because everybody has an opinion. (laughs) (laughs) Just like something else. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. But that's true. I just wish I would have known back then too, like the word, like the worthiness, like I am worthy Mm -hmm. just as I am. I don't have to be anything different than who I am today. It's so true. And I think that people like they go, well, I, you know, my social media account doesn't have these sort of pictures and I see all my friends and like, they're just measuring. I think this is the bad thing about social media in the way. Mm -hmm. And obviously I'm not the first to say this. So, but we're measuring ourselves based on pictures that are not their moments in time. Yeah. They're perfectly posed. They're the best picture out of 50. (laughs) Out of the hundred that you took where where you're you're looking away or you're making a weird face. And so like, I I understand the pressure Mm -hmm. and I see that in in the younger, especially CEOs. I mean, making millions of dollars when you're young and then like almost doesn't mean anything because yeah. they're like, well, this other person is making 2 million or 3 million or four, 50 million or 100 million, whatever it is. Yeah. So there's a lot of like calibration that we need to do first with ourselves, I think. And yeah. then not like, I compared myself a lot when I was younger to where are my friends, you know, like where are they? Like they're mm-hmm. on the corporate ladder real. or what they're doing. Yeah. And none of that is real. So I think now that I'm going into like my, I would, I feel like I'm in like the peak of my career or like, (laughs) or towards the top, like in terms of like, I feel like smarter, you know, more experienced Yeah. and bad things are going to happen and we create value from them and that's how we overcome them. Yeah. Well, I talked to a lot of women and I feel like we're like fine wine. We get better with our age. Like we, there's something about like the confidence level and the, the worthiness we allow ourselves to accept and the permission to do things differently. Like as we get a little bit older and I, and I see this across the board, like constantly, like women that hit like that 35 to 40 ish and up, like, it's like, we finally like get our shit together and we understand what we're supposed to be doing and we don't care as much. And I remember caring so much when I was in high school, like every, I wanted to like blend in. I didn't want to stand out whatsoever. I wanted like to be just like there and seen and known, but not like anything crazy. And then we switched that when we start our businesses and all of a sudden we're like, well, here I am, come and see me. Like, I don't want to blend anymore. I need to be everywhere and be visible. But then you're like, well, now I'm being judged. And it's like all those fears from in high school are still there <laughs> because we're like, don't judge me. I'm going to mess this up. I'm not perfect. And we have to peel back the layers. And I think yeah. like, and that, that's like the beautiful thing about life is that every day you get a new day. Yeah. Regardless yep. of what happened yesterday, you get a new day to try again and yeah. try again. And then eventually if you are doing something that's productive or in, a, in alignment, you know, it doesn't get easier, but somehow you start to see change. And I think like, how lucky are we? Yeah. Yeah, you know, exactly. That's, that's great. And we get Some to people not, don't get to wake up, you yeah. know? And we get to not put all that pressure on ourselves. Like we get, to, like you said, it's like a new day and I don't care as much. <laughs> <laughs> it's a new day yeah. and there's less caring. So yeah. it's like even that somehow. Yeah. And that's the other thing. It's like that do or die feeling. Like when we're comparing ourselves to other people, mm-hmm. like do or die, do or die. And yeah. that's, it's not like none of that is real. So I feel like, yeah, I just feel like as I move toward in my entrepreneurship journey, it's not easy. There are a lot of days that are not easy, but I feel more resilient, Hmm. especially after 2020. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's why I've taken on the motto. I do scary things because I'm like every day as an entrepreneur, I'm for sure stepping out of my comfort zone in some way, some shape. So I'm sending some email, I'm reaching out to some 
organization or I'm, you know, asking for money or I'm doing all these things. And I'm like, I just decided I do scary things like, and every day it's a little bit different, (laughs) but I needed that mantra for myself because I was staying stuck in my little comfort zone and it was nice and cushy and I was doing okay, but I wasn't like up leveling myself and scaling to that next level. So I'm like, screw it. I'm just going to start saying I do scary things. And so I challenge myself. I'll say almost every day. I don't do it every single day, but most days I'm like, all right, what's something today that I can do? that feels a little bit scary or makes me want to go vomit or, or, or just push myself out of that comfort zone. Because especially when our world is behind these computers now, and we don't get to see as many people in person and we're not out in front of as many people, it can be really easy to do busy work and to do the things that are super comfortable and, you know, check the emails and, you know, scroll through social media, see if there's a post we can comment on or do those things. But I found for myself, those aren't the activities that actually get me clients those aren't the things that are going to move me forward. It's when I step out from, you know, not necessarily out from behind the computer, because I'm still in front of my computer when I'm doing most of the scary things these days, (laughs) but I'm stepping outside of my comfort zone and it's empowering and it's, it's up leveled who I am and how I show up. And I see it in my business and I see it in how I just show up as a mom or as a wife or as a friend. Like I'm not as worried about what other people are going to think anymore. I'm just showing up as me. And that's, powerful as an entrepreneur. That is powerful. I love that. And I think that like, that's what most of us have to, to move past. So like, when I think of what you're saying, like from an emotional intelligence point of view, a lot. So like when you work with difficult people or you have a difficult project or you're doing scary things, the actual problem you're not dealing with is the scary thing. It's the emotions that you have Mm -hmm. that feel scary. You know, like it's the emotions that we're, that we're trying to hide from or Mm -hmm. avoid or not deal with because the thing in itself, if, if you were in a different state of mind could be exciting Yeah. or it could be, you know, so like when you're thinking, like, I'm thinking about like, when I think about working with a particular really difficult person, put, put that person's name in your head. Don't say it out loud. No naming and shaming, but you're thinking like, oh, I have to deal with this person the problem is not the person. The problem is that the emotions that you're feeling about what you're perceiving you have to say or do, that's what we're working on. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Like that human revolution element is like, we need to be good in ourselves. So it's not the person. Yeah. They're just reminding us, oh, hey, Diana, you got to work on this. Mm -hmm. This is still not a place where you are. You're still like, not growing here. Yeah. So that's why I think about it from an emotional intelligence point of view. Yeah. And then you're like, but I am growing. I'm pushing through this. <laughs> I'm going to do it. <laughs> like I'm going to make this phone call to this really difficult person. And then you know what, darling, yeah. most of the time it's not that difficult. I, I always laugh. Cause, um, what's that saying? Like, but, but did, but did you die? <laughs> like you did this really scary thing. And I'm like, Oh, all I did was hit record on the video. That felt scary today. <laughs> I didn't right? die. Thank God. Or I had to reach out and talk to this person or, you know, do this task or do this thing. But I'm like, it's like that false evidence. That's what fear is, right? False evidence. Real, 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 if I can say it. (laughs) Um, And it's not like, but you're right. It's like, it's all those feelings that we're holding onto because we've tied something to it that it means something, or we're going to be rejected, or we're going to make a fool of ourselves, or someone's going to judge us or all those stories that we tell ourselves, and they don't, they're not serving anybody. They're not serving ourselves for sure. And they're definitely not serving anybody else if we're telling them to other people. And they hold us back from doing like things that we really need to do or want to do. So a lot of people, like when I think about in terms of like coaching and you, you coach as well. So like when you limit yourself, cause you don't want to feel that feeling. Like, I don't want to talk to this person because it's going to be hard for me and I'm not going to be able to, I call it like emotional discipline or emotional regulation. Yeah. Like I can't regulate my emotions and I'm going to scream at them or something. That's where the growing happens. Yeah. Like that's, that's where you should be if you yeah. feel like that, you know? And, and that's yeah. why I like to work with clients. Cause I like to look at like, okay, this is, this is a good place. Like this yeah. is not a bad thing. They're helping you grow. Yeah. Love them. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I so love this conversation, Diana. Thank you so much for being on here and and just bringing so much light to this because I think it's an area that so many people, we don't 
people don't know what they don't know, first of all. And then we're, we're all, I'll say we're all, cause I feel like everybody's got a little bit of resistance when it comes to like change and showing up and yeah. doing something different and being self-aware and being willing to be self-aware <laughs> in that moment. Yeah. It's change. Change is hard when it's not you like making it. Yeah. But you know, we, we like our comfort. We don't want to do things differently sometimes. So like to curl up on the couch and just be comfy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, we're going to move on to rapid fire questions. Cause I always like okay. to end our calls with just a little bit of rapid information so I can learn a little bit more about you and our, so can our um, viewers or listeners. Um, what are you binge watching right now? <laughs> I don't watch TV. You don't watch any TV. I love to ask this question because I thought for sure when I thought of this question, I was like, everyone's going to be binge watching something. And half of my guests are like, oh, I don't watch TV. And I think it's so funny because I don't watch a lot of it. But I watch like one show right before bed every night after everybody's mm -hmm. asleep in my house. And that's how I binge just like one episode a night <laughs> before I fall asleep. <laughs> my, my true answer would be really sad. It's PBS kids like Don Quixote. <laughs> or Pinkalicious. That's what I've been uh, watching because my kids watch TV while I do life. Do stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Them. So yeah. I don't watch TV. I would hope one day it fits in my schedule, but it does not. Yep. It does not need to fit in your world, girl. You're doing great. <laughs> Keep it the way you're going. Um, do you have a book on your nightstand or are you reading anything right now? I do. It's, it's deep. We want to go there. Yeah, let's go there. Okay. It's called attaining Buddhahood in this lifetime. Okay. So um, I mentioned I'm a Buddhist and it's a really deep explanation um, written by the head of our organization that I'm a part of, which is for, it's called SGI USA. So it's for Nichiren Buddhists. So there's a many different types of Buddhism, but we practice the last eight years of Shakyamuni, the original Buddha's teaching, which is that everyone can be enlightened and everybody has infinite potential to um, be their best. And a Buddha is really like, it talks about attaining Buddhahood, which means being the most compassionate person you can be, being the wisest person you can be, and being the most courageous you can be. So it just kind of explains that in depth. Yeah. Sounds fascinating. Definitely going to take a peek at it and see. I'm always curious about all the different things. <laughs> I love getting the book recommendations. <laughs> it's a deep um, read. Who is one person in your life that has made the biggest influence on who you are today? This is a good question because I it's my daughter. Um, I think in another different time of my life, it would have been somebody else. But in the last five years, I have grown. I joke my Grinchy heart, like my tiny Grinchy heart <laughs> has grown so big. And she's really taught me about compassion and she's yeah. taught me how to manage my own emotions and she's made me more creative so I yeah. love it yeah and what is your happy spot when Diana needs to like reflect and recharge and rejuvenate what do you like to do where do you like to go is this like uh I, I can go anywhere on the globe or is this like I'm no, that's in the San next Diego. question that's the next question <laughs> okay well just, I have a <laughs> like just if you need to like if, you're, if it's been a rough day or just you just need to like reset yourself is there something that you like to do or I do I don't get to do it often to be fair so I'm trying to make it more part of my routine but I love to go to Coronado and walk on mm -hmm. the right between the water and the um, sand like, I don't like to go in the water. Yeah. I don't want to be on the sand. <laughs> yeah. Just where it's wet. Like that's, so I just walk and I just feel the waves hitting me. And I remind myself how um, small I am in the universe, but I'm a part of it. And like, yeah. yeah. So that's so my happy place here. Like where yeah. I am in San Diego. And Coronado is amazing. We, it is. We like to go over there and camp um, at Silver Strand. Oh, go explore. It's so, it's so fun. It's one of I my love favorite that. places down here too. Yeah, I love that. And then my last question, we've already started to go there. If I could buy you a plane ticket and you could go anywhere in the world, where would you go to and why? Many places, but if I continue the theme with my happy place and a plane ticket, 
there's a small cafe. And I can't believe I'm saying this on the internet because now people are going to know about it. There's a really tiny cafe that overlooks the Louvre in Paris. And it's just my happy place. They make this amazing, um, what is it called? Molten lava chocolate oh, like dessert. Lava cake. Yeah. yeah, like lava cake. And so like you, it's French. So it's delicious. And you cut into it and there's like chocolate spewing out of it. Yeah. Beautiful coffees. And you can overlook and like people watch at the Louvre. And that has been my happy place for the last, I would say 20 years. I have been there like maybe five times. So that's kind of a lot for, you know, yeah. national travel. But oh, if I can go to Paris, that's where I go every time. Sounds amazing. I'll come with yeah. you. <laughs> okay, we're going next time when when lockdown is down. Yes, we're, we're going. Girls yes. trip. <laughs> I love it. I love Sounds it. Sounds heavenly. It is. Diana, thank you so much for being on the show. It's so fun having you on and just hearing your story and diving into such deep conversation. Um, I know people are going to want to connect with you. Where should they go? So you can email me if you want to correct connect with me directly. My email is hi at dianalo.com, which is pretty simple. And also I post every day about EI tips and things that you can do to strengthen your EI on LinkedIn. So you can look for me there. Uh, my picture is pretty true to life. So I actually look like my picture, which is, which is something that you don't always see. No, you do and not. <laughs> That's a whole topic for another day. <laughs> yeah. And so like um, my LinkedIn profile is Diana Elo. So like if you put the LinkedIn and then Diana E for Elizabeth, low. Okay, yeah. perfect. Yeah, um, I will make sure the links are below as well. And then I know you have thank a free you. gift for everybody. Can you tell us what that is? Yeah, I do. So I have a very brief and easy to read PDF and it's about working with an executive coach. A lot of people, they hear it, they kind of know what it is, but it's a really simple and quick read about who should work with an, an executive coach. Why should you work with one and what they do? So it's kind of a who and what to your unanswered questions. And I wrote that for people who really want to learn more about it. And it's very helpful. Perfect. Yeah. And you said to, to email you, right? Uh, yes. So okay. you can email me at hi, hi at dianalow.com. Perfect. Awesome. Diana, thank you so much for being here. So fun talking to you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a pleasure, an absolute Any, pleasure. Anytime. Um, all right, everybody. That's another wrap of the Attract and Send Out podcast. Um, I believe in you. You're allowed to stand out. You're allowed to shine. You're allowed to be you. I'll see you next week. Thank you so much for tuning in for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you love the show, leave a review and subscribe on whichever platform you're listening on. It would mean the world to me. As a special thank you, I want to offer you a free gift, my Uncover Your Niche workbook and video training that helps you become unforgettable to your audience. You can sign up at darlingholly.com. I look forward to seeing you all next week. In the meantime, have an amazing week and we will talk soon.